So I'm going to ask you to join me. I'm going to read one verse, and if you will read the next verse, and we'll go alternately. There's a special name for this, but you would forget it, so I didn't bother repeating it. Would you kindly stand with us and we'll read the scriptures together. It is Psalm 19, and you'll see why Louis Armstrong helped us a little here. Okay. <laughs> the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure, and altogether righteous. By them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless innocent of great transgression. Amen. Thank you. Please take your seats. <clears throat> we live in, a, in, in an instant world, don't we? Everything has got to happen now. I must admit I'm not the most patient of people. News happens in one part of the world and we hear it immediately. But it wasn't so long ago when communication was uh, a lot slower than it is now. A couple of generations back, uh, people used to write letters to one another. And you would get a return letter, but it would take a few days to get back to you. Now we just text one another. I know, I've lost my wife several times in Morrison's, <laughs> and I ring her up. I say, where are you? I'm, I, I'm, I'm in aisle whatever. It's instant. <clears throat> but um, life was a lot slower some time ago. I remember my mother used to say about her father, my grandfather, um, they had a bus that ran from their village once every hour on the hour. And uh, his daughters, my mother and the other uh, daughters, would uh, say, look, Dad, 
the bus is coming, let's run. And, and Grandad would say, we're not catching that one. And he would wait an hour and a bit so he didn't have to run for the bus. Life was, he was either lazy or life was slow, slower. <clears throat> and uh, a great man of God, A.B. Simpson, uh, said many years ago that God was speaking to us at the very center of our being. If only we could get still enough to hear him. If only we could get still enough to hear him. This psalm is about God speaking to us. And uh, there is a general speaking, first of all, and uh, we saw it. <clears throat> the heavens declare the glory of God. Everything around us, the sun, the moon, everything. In Hebrews 11, it says, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And then, remonstrating in the book of Romans to people who had rejected the voice of God, this is what the Apostle Paul says. But God shows his anger from heaven against all, sinf uh, 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 against all sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because it has been made obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. What he's saying is, everything speaks of a creator. The whole world speaks of a creator. Now, I have a watch here, and if I told you that over millions of years, this watch evolved. There was iron ore, and then there was concentrated heat that uh, got the ore to the surface, and then miraculously, it, it, it all fitted together. You would say, David, you are crazy. <clears throat> that watch has been created. And when the psalmist looked at the heavens, he saw the stars, he saw the sun rising every morning, and of course he wouldn't know about the vastness of the universe like we do and at the speed of light and all that kind of thing. But he said, um, it's, um, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. When we look at the sky, we say, what a wonderful world. <clears throat> you know, if you play golf and you hit a shot straight down the middle, you say, what a wonderful world we live in. When the sun is shining and everything is beautiful, we say, what a wonderful... And I often say to the Lord in my own way, I said, Lord, everything is beautiful. You see trees and, and you see flowers and you, you see the whole of the reproduction of creation so finely balanced. If we were one degree nearer the sun, we would all fry. If we were one degree further away, we'd all freeze. But it's just at the right 
absolute spot. The fine-tuning of the universe tells us that we have a great God. He's magnificent. And, and the psalmist, he says, it's like, this, it's like a bridegroom going out on his wedding day. It's so radiant. And it's like a strong man running a race. It's so powerful. And God is so radiant and so powerful. And all of nature is telling us God is radiant and God is powerful, and God is speaking to us every day of our lives through the creation that God has made. That's a general speaking. But then he goes on to say that God is speaking specifically in his word, the Bible. Now... <clears throat> When David wrote about uh, the creation, he used the word for God, Elohim, with the great power. But when he, he wrote about the word of God, uh, he, he used the covenant name of Jehovah. Now, David's Bible, incidentally, was here. This is the entirety of David's Bible. So when he talks about the, 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 the word of the Lord is this, and the word of the Lord is that, and the statutes are this, this is what he's talking about. We have the whole of the Bible, and how wonderful it is. Um, right, where am I up to? His word, the Bible... I'm trying to, because of time, I'm just trying to go. There's two words that uh, describe the Bible, and it's, one is inerrant, and the other is infallible. Inerrant, it means it's without error. And this Bible that we have is without error. Um, people who have no faith recognize that this Bible is accurately translated better than all the uh, uh, other uh, books from antiquity. I went to see the Shrine of the Book in Israel some years ago. And in it, there are the Dead Sea Scrolls. These Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in, I think it was 1947, by a little Arab boy uh, down in the arid part of Israel. Many of you who've been with us to Israel will have seen the actual cave where these Dead Sea Scrolls, excuse me, were found. Now, our Bible has been copied and copied and copied over the years, scribes have wrote it down. When the manuscripts became uh, perished a little, other scribes copied them down and copied them until they'd been copied multiple times. But when I was at the shrine of the book, I saw a quotation from Isaiah 40. I think, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. You know the one. And it was exactly the same. That one in, in the shrine of the book had never been touched for 2,000 years, but it was exactly the same 
as those that have been copied and copied and copied. So what we have in our hand today is, in its original form, is without error. It has come down from the Lord, and you can be sure that it is God speaking to you through the Scriptures. <clears throat> it, it is also infallible. It's trustworthy. Now, they use different words in the psalm that we read together. Different words are used as a sort of description of the whole law. And in various translations, they translate the word slightly differently. It says, it is called the law, it is called the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the fear of the Lord, and the judgments. If we look at the law of the Lord, the Torah, um, it's the instructions, directions, teachings. And it comes from the root word to shoot an arrow, like a teacher would like to get a point over. The law of the Lord is perfect. It is complete. Jesus said, there's not one jot or tittle will fail from the law till all be fulfilled. <clears throat> and the law of the Lord is perfect, and it revives your soul. Hallelujah. It, it, it reminds me of Psalm 23, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. There's something wonderful, restorative about the Word of God. I remember in our first church when we were in Hayes, it was a very small church. In fact, only two people showed up the week before we came. And uh, they had had five ministers that had all left the Elim ministry from that church. And then they sent me there. <coughs> like a lamb to the slaughter. And uh, we were having a hard time. We, we, got, we got married by then, but we're trying to build a church. And uh, we went north. We had in the car in those days, got on the bus, and I just wanted that bus to keep on going. Leeds, Glasgow, Inverness, Greenland. I was happy to settle at the North Pole. <laughs> Don't go back. To Hayes. But then we went to a Saturday night meeting, and uh, a person that I knew from the Ascendant of God minister who was preaching about Elijah. He said, Elijah sat down under a juniper tree and he wished for himself to die. I thought, that's just me, yeah. <laughs> he preached some more and he preached some more, and, I, and I'm getting, I'm feeling better. The more he preached, the better I'm feeling. <laughs> He's going on, and well, at the time he finished, you know, the angel came to Elijah and said, wake up, Elijah, eat this, because you're going on a long journey, you need. So he got up and then, and by the time he'd finished, I was ready to go again, because the word of the Lord revives the soul, hallelujah. You feel better, you feel restored, and you feel revived. The law of the Lord is perfect, and it revives it revives the soul. The testimonies of the Lord, he said, uh, we think of the Ten Commandments. Often it is called the testimony. It makes wise the simple. <laughs> now, it's not simple-minded, but it's people who are of a childlike, trusting nature. <clears throat> it makes wise the simple. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses 
read the law again to the children of Israel, he said to them, he said, get to know and remember these words that I'm giving you. Because people around will say what a wise and understanding people you are. I'll read the verse to you. It's from um, uh, chapter 4. Luke he said Moses, I now teach you these decrees and regulations just as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Obey them completely, and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all these decrees, they will exclaim, How wise and prudent! are the people of this great nation. Wouldn't it be great to say the people that go to that Plymouth Christian Center are wise and understanding. If they are married, they have good marriages. <laughs> if they have kids, they have good families. If they're in business, they're good businessmen. They are wise businessmen. They know how to do things. If they're employees, they are great employees. <laughs> they have good common sense. They're not wacky, off-the-wall people. They are wise and understanding people. Why are those people at the Plymouth Christian Center wise and understanding? Well, it's because they're meditating in the law of God and they're putting it into practice and, and the wisdom of the Bible is coming into the wisdom of their lives. Hallelujah. I would like that, wouldn't you? <clears throat> Well, maybe not. <laughs> it says, the statutes of the Lord, they bring joy to the heart. These were, these were the, the daily regulations that they would do, the washing and the dressing and stuff. They bring joy to the heart. And uh, to rejoice, the psalmist David said, I rejoice at thy word, I'm quoting Paul's version again, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. It's like finding hidden treasure. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? And uh, my, uh, my father used to walk around the home and he would quote scripture. I can still remember him now, the, 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 the verses that he would use. And uh, I, 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 I followed on, do the same. They rejoice the heart. And it's joyful to come into the Word of God and find joy. There are some laws that don't bring joy, aren't they? I remember the, the poll tax years ago. It was very unpopular <laughs> at the time. But the laws of the Lord bring joy to the heart. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the commands, he says, uh, that which is appointed... The commands of the Lord are pure. They lead to a pure life. And they enlighten us. See, we occupy a very small slot in history. And we think, you know, it's old-fashioned something a few years ago. But God has seen the whole thing over and over, over the centuries. Our lives are just a little slot but God sees it all, and he says his word is enlightening. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. 
It says the fear of the Lord or the reverence and, the, and a healthy respect for God and his word. Psalm 34 says, Come, you children, hearken to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Then he says, It is clean and it endures forever. And the judgments of the Lord, these are kind of the verdicts that a judge might bring. Um, they are true and they are righteous and they will keep us walking on the right road. Now, there are warnings in the Bible. And speaking of some of the sexual misdemeanors in the book of Proverbs, it says this, and it may come up on the screen, <clears throat> uh, when he's saying they had forgotten or not taken any notice of the things of God. He says, in the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. The scriptures are here, brothers and sisters, to instruct us, to guide us, and it is God speaking to us. As we have seen, it revives the soul. It makes us wise. It gives us joy. It enlightens our eyes. It is pure and it endures forever. And we should love the Bible. <laughs> um, when I reached the age of 21, <clears throat> which is well over 10 years ago, now, I, I looked at my father's books in his bookshelf, and I hadn't read one of them. And right there in that little home in Blackburn where we lived, I said, Lord, I just want to give you more of my life. And then I began to seek more of God, to seek the fullness. And I, I, I got a book... Um, by a, a, a man called Stiles, and I can't remember the name of it now, but it was about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, I, I, I need this baptism in the Holy Spirit. I was, I was saved, I was converted, but I liked that personal and touch and the power of God. I thought, I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I began to seek the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And I remember we had a, an American evangelist with us that came to our town at the time called Clifton Erickson. He's since gone home to glory. And at the, la at the end of the service, he said, anybody who wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come forward and we'll go into the back room. Well, we, I was up for everything in those days. You know, I volunteered for everything. So we went all into the back room to seek the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I remember this missionary, well, he's back from the mission field. He took his coat off. He rolled his sleeves up. I thought, what are we going to get here? <laughs> and we all prayed. It was, just, it was just an amazing sense of God's presence in the place. It was wonderful. <clears throat> and uh, I remember uh, a Welshman uh, and uh, an apostolic brother. He said to me... 
of course, they don't say has. I'll not, Malvin will put us right on all this, all things Welsh. Um, <laughs> this Welshman said to me, Pastor Spurdle, he said, the Lord have filled you, Dave. Just speak it out. Well, I never did. But a few months later, I went to a, a camp on the Isle of Wight, and the pastor was speaking about being fully committed to Christ. And anybody who wanted to be filled with the Spirit to come forward for prayer. So I went forward for prayer, and a number of the pastors prayed for me. And it was just like the presence of God that I had known as a child. But it was all around me, a, 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 a real beautiful sense of the presence of God. And from within, in my, in my inner being, coming up, in praise to God was this other language of, of speaking in other tongues, of praise to God. And I could start, and I could stop, and I could start again. Now, I'd always sort of gone through a period of doubting my salvation because I'd brought up in a pastor's home. I hadn't d done any great thing. We used to get people to come and give their testimony of how, you know, they'd coshed old ladies and they'd been in jail and they, then they found Christ. I thought, I haven't even coshed one old lady, for, <laughs> for, for goodness sake. I haven't robbed one bank. <clears throat> so, uh, so... So I doubted it. When I, when I would live what I thought was a quite good Christian life, I'd say, yes, I must be a Christian. If I failed on some areas, I'd say, oh, how can you be a Christian? But when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, I got the deep assurance <laughs> that I was fully, absolutely born again. Well, I knew I was born again before, <clears throat> but the strong assurance. But what affected me, brothers and sisters, what I'm coming round to in a long-hearted way, is I got a deep love for the Bible. I just loved to read the Bible. And I used to travel to work every day. I was a... Um, what was I? Uh, I was a lithographic printing engineer, and I worked in Bolton, where, where Jeff could be to travel about 11 miles. And I put my Bible on the passenger seat, and if the lights were on red, I would just try and get a verse or two. And I got many a honk from behind. <laughs> and we had an Anglican church just down the, uh, from our... Um, office, and at lunchtime, I would go and listen to the uh, organist practicing Bach's cantatas or whatever they were, and I would be reading the word and speaking in tongues, uh, because I, could, I was wanting to devour it, because, because somehow it was food for me, it was joy for me, it was life for me. The Bible is living, hallelujah. It is a living thing. And, 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 and we gain wisdom, and we gain understanding, and we gain joy from the Word. And it's God speaking to us through His Word, the Bible. Now, I want to conclude finally. Um, oh, David, I, I keep getting off my notes here. David said of the Bible, he said, they are more precious than gold. He said, they're sweeter than honey. He said, I'm warned by them, and there is great reward in keeping them. So God is speaking in nature in a general sense. God is speaking in a specific sense through his holy word, the Bible. And God is speaking 
in a personal sense through his son. I want to turn you to Hebrews chapter 1, and this is what it says. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down. God has spoken in his Son. I want to turn you for a brief moment to that little hill. It wasn't quite such a little hill outside the old city of Jerusalem. And if we could turn in our mind to that center cross that we have been thinking about earlier, and we see the Savior dying between two thieves, blood dripping down, just a sight. And he says, God is speaking. What is God saying? What is God saying? If God is speaking in his son, what is the message? What is he saying? And I think he's saying two things. I think he's saying, first of all, I hate sin. The Bible says... For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Sin is an awful thing. Sin damns people's souls to hell. Sin is something that God hates. And we sometimes just are amused by it, aren't we? With people who get away with things. I lied, but I got away with it, you know. And, 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 and we kind of laugh at things. You know, the, the wife is having an affair. Upst- the husband comes home early. The, wife, the lover has to go into the, the, the wardrobe, and everybody laughs. But God treats it all seriously. Humans, all the sins of the world were dumped on him. All the filth of the world was dumped on him. He was made sin for us. All the people of the abuse that ever happened, all the injustice that ever happened was dumped on him. All the crimes, all the sexual deviation, all the the sins of the world dumped on Jesus. And God judged his son upon the cross. And when he was made sin for us, the Bible said, Jesus said, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was when he was made a sin offering on our behalf. So the message from the cross is that God hates sin and sin must be punished. The second message from the cross is this. Written over it in invisible letters of blood, sweat, and tears are those three wonderful words, I love you. Because the cross speaks to us of the love of God. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As a hymn writer wrote, could we with ink the oceans fill, or were the skies of parchment made, and every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O oh, love of God, so wonderful that God loved you and God loved me. And God is speaking in his Son. He's saying, if, if you never felt in your whole life that anybody cared, anybody had any respect, anybody loved you, look today at the cross because God is saying, I love you. God is speaking. God has been speaking through the, the world's natural uh, phenomenon, as it were. All down the centuries, God is speaking specifically in his word, the Bible. And God is speaking personally in his son. He's saying, I love you. I want a, a relationship with you, a reconciliation with, with you. And I wonder this morning, as we come to a conclusion, God is speaking. Are we listening? Are you listening? <clears throat> my grandfather, again, my grandfather had a most remarkable healing from total deafness. He asked one of his daughters if they could clean some wax out of his ear. And one of them rooted around and pulled out a piece of cotton wool that big. Granddad was instantaneously healed <laughs> of deafness. <laughs> and somehow we can put cotton wool in our ears. But listen to what the Word of God is saying. Listen to what the voice of God is saying. Words of peace, words of joy, words of encouragement, words of reconciliation. God is always speaking. God has always been speaking. But can we get still enough to hear him? Amen. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. <clears throat> Praise God. God wants a two-way conversation. He doesn't just want to talk to you. He wants you to talk back to him. He wants you to open your heart to him. He wants to, you to tell him your feelings, your hurts, your hopes and aspirations. 
He wants a two-way conversation with you. And maybe this morning, and through this series that different speakers have, have, have been bringing to us, you want to respond to God. You want to hear His voice. You've heard Him speaking to you through His Word, the Bible, through the things around us, and now through understanding what the Lord has done for us upon the cross. And this morning, you want to respond and say, Lord, not only am I listening, but I'm responding and I want to follow you from this moment forward. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I would like you to say it in your own heart as a response to God. Heaven hears it, and you uh, will be brought into the family of God if you say it sincerely. Here's how it goes. You pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize that I have sinned, done things I should not have done, omitted to do things I should have done. I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. I want to turn around. I thank you that Jesus died for all my wrongdoing. I thank you that Jesus offers me forgiveness. And I receive your gift of forgiveness right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Now, if that was you this morning, please go to our, uh, the, 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 the girl the, on the Connect Corner. Just give them your name and we'll